Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. When I have been with friends and that happened and I peed my pants, I, I did lose the room. They did leave. <laughs> I saw her light up and I was like, I'm just going to work. But we are here until one of our last breaths. Yeah. I was just the one that was meant to take care of mama. It's for me to remember every single day is that I always have a choice. Everyone always has a choice. Whenever somebody says, no, you can't, or there's no roles for you, or you have to look like this, I go, I'll show you. I'll show you. Welcome to Go Ask Allie. I'm Allie Wentworth. And I have an idea for New Year's Eve. Besides a little champagne, I thought I'd have little chocolate cupcakes with silver balls on them. I know, very exciting. But I'm a baker and I love to make brownies and Hello Dollies and chocolate chip cookies and cakes. I mean, there's a reason George Stephanopoulos married me, and it's not because I have a great ass. Actually, on one of our first dates, I made a turkey bolognese and a chocolate cake that had him get up on the table and howl at the moon. So I love anything baked, which is why I'm so excited for my guest today, because she is the preeminent cupcake creator, Candace Nelson. She's an entrepreneur, New York Times bestselling author, and Wall Street Journal contributor. Through her most recent book, Sweet Success, Candace shares her recipe for turning passion into profit. Listen, if you've ever visited a revolutionary Sprinkles bakery or a Pizzana pizzeria, that, my friends, is Candace Nelson. And you might know her as a judge on Netflix's Sugar Rush and Food Network's hit one of my favorite shows, Cupcake Wars. She's a co-creator and executive producer of Hulu's Best in Dough. Yep, Candace Nelson has it all going on, both sweet and savory. Candace Nelson, so I'm looking at you in a split screen on my computer, and you have perfectly wavy hair, dewy makeup. So thank you for looking so glamorous for us. It is my pleasure. I am honored to be here. Well, I'm so happy to be here with you because I haven't seen you in like over 10 years. And the last time I saw you, I had just stuffed a red velvet sprinkles cupcake in my mouth. I had started a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. called Baby Love, and you gave us a big fat check. And I thank you for that. Well, my goodness, that was a really fun event. And thank you for including us in that. Of course. And so impressive to me because I thought, you know, here's a cupcake we all love to eat whether we're pretending to watch our weight or not. And, you know, you were so, from the beginning, so philanthropic that I just thought, what an incredible organization. And now, Candace Nelson, you are an empire. You are not just delicious cupcakes that I gave everybody whenever I could, but you have your book coming out, you have TV shows, I mean, there's a lot to dig into here. 
which I'm very excited about. But let's let's start from the beginning because I like to I like to tell a story. So you're what I is it, is it right to say an investment banker? That's what you started out yes, as. Yes, I mean it, real investment bankers would kind of raise their eyebrows at that because I was just out of undergrad, so I was a financial analyst in okay. corporate finance, um, working with all the bankers. Right. Okay. So we'll call you a, a banker of sorts, investment banking. You, yes. You were wearing your Ann Taylor suit and your heels. <laughs> and one day you just said- How did you know that? I just, just to guess. And you decided, you know, damn it, I want to bake. How did that happen? How did that decision come to you? And why didn't I do that when I could? <laughs> I was sort of the unlikely entrepreneur. I was raised in this family that was very risk averse. My dad was a corporate lawyer, very loyal employee over time. We were taught that education was the way, um, you know, get a job at a great company and climb the corporate ladder to success and stability. And so I was well on my way to doing that. I started at the investment bank as a financial analyst. Then I went to an internet startup. It was the dot-com boom of the late 90s. I recall. And then two things happened. One, the dot-com bust happened. So I was out of a job. Mm -hmm. So I had done all the quote-unquote right things, and I was completely unemployed with no prospects. And then the next thing that happened not that long afterwards was 9-11. And so... I mean, I was just recently married. I was so excited about life and optimistic. And then all of a sudden, there was this dark shadow over everything. Mm -hmm. But what it really crystallized for me was the fact that life can be really fleeting and there is no security. And despite all your best intentions, your best laid plan, like it can all evaporate tomorrow. And so for me, that was a really that was an aha moment. Um, you know, I'd done all the right things. I was without a job. I was now questioning what I wanted to do with my life. It was the first time I'd really asked myself that question. Like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do that brings me joy? And what do I want to do that actually has some meaning and gives back to the world, even if it's in a very small way, like a piece of cake? So I took my first step off that well-trodden path, and I decided to go to pastry school instead of business school. So much more fun, by the way. <laughs> so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. And um, were, you, were you always a baker? I mean, I've always been a baker. I've been baking my whole life, and I've always baked with my kids. Even now that they're teenagers, I still force them to bake with me. But so it is It is something that you either gravitate towards and love to do or not, I find. There's the bakers and the non-bakers. I totally agree with you. I think there's a definitely a divide. And I'm so happy you're on my side of the divide, Allie. I feel like yes, we could I start am. a baking gang, girl gang, you and me. I'd love it. Um, you know, mean girl bakers. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> I actually started baking with my mom, just like so many kids do. And But it was extra meaningful for me because I was growing up as an expat. I was living in Southeast Asia a lot of my childhood. And so, you know, this was pre-internet. This was back when long long distance calls were expensive and they dropped. Yeah. And so really the only way for me to have a connection to my homeland was through food. And I couldn't get the foods that I craved from home. Like there were no Rice Krispie Treats at the corner store in right. Maidan, Sumatra. So I had to learn to bake them myself. And I, I spent hours in the kitchen baking with my mom. We cooked from her um, Joy of Cooking cookbook. And I still remember to this day, it was like, all stained and dog-eared, and you could tell oh. which recipes were our favorites. And, mm -hmm. you know, I made all the classics, like brownies and, you know, Rice Krispie Treats, chocolate chip cookies, sheet cakes. Do you remember yep. Coca-Cola cake? We made Coca-Cola yes. cake. I remember, too. I remember my mother's cookbook and my grandmother's cookbook, and there would be the old crane stationery with, like, notes written on it, shoved in. It, for us, it was the Fanny Farmer cookbook. But, you know, yeah. there is such a sense of history. And, you know, culturally, mm. people hand down food recipes as kind of a, a, a way of of handing down history. And I think that that's mm -hmm. true for every family. There are certain things in our family, certain dishes. Um, my mother's creme caramel, that's like it, even the smell of it reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. So I, I completely get the nostalgia for food that we grew up with. 
it's so visceral. And, you know, those cookbooks, gosh, I hope you still have them with the notes, you know, the the cards and just the notes right on the recipes themselves. Mm -hmm. Those are such family heirlooms. And I always encourage people who have, you know, family members who are getting older that have their special secret recipe to really get in the kitchen with them and try to learn it or write it down because it's always so sad to me when those recipes that are in someone's head get lost forever. Yes. Except for my grandmother's prune whip. That's a recipe I let go. (laughs) That could be lost forever and no one was sad. No, nobody will miss it and nobody will be sad. Well, with a name like prune whip. Well, exactly. (laughs) They should have come up with something like fairy wings or, you know, but no, it's prune whip and it is what it says and nobody wants it. It was just bad marketing. Yes. So you go to (laughs) pastry school and what was it about the cupcake that stood out for you? So initially, I mean, I just loved going to pastry school. Initially, I was going just to test my interests because a lot of us have. I mean, look at you. You're a baker and you love it as a hobby. You do it with your family. But did you make a career out of it? No. A lot of people have passions and hobbies that aren't necessarily going to translate into a job. So I wanted to test my interest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to test whether I even liked getting up every single day, you know, putting on my chef whites and getting my hands dirty and working with all these ingredients. It's physical work. It was the opposite of what I had been doing, which was crunching numbers at a desk. And I loved it. I loved loved it. it. Yeah. I mean, I first of all went to this really sweet pastry school in San Francisco. It was like there was an organic garden in the back. There was sunlight streaming in. It was just like medicine for my soul at that point in life. Well, particularly after 9-11 and, you know, all the tragedy that that came from that, I would imagine that there was a little bit of sort of escapism and magic to being at that pastry school. So much. Yeah. I wanted to live in a magical world of like chocolate and sugar and, you know, hand pie. Doesn't everybody? And I love how tangible it all was, you know, creating these delicious treats and then being able to hand them to someone to watch them enjoy it. That was so, the simplicity of that really, really spoke to me. Your cupcakes had, well, they are amazing. But at the time, now I think we're in a little bit of a recession when you started this. And Mm. I would imagine there were a lot of naysayers saying, are you out of your mind? You think that you can make a living making cupcakes, but that you had to have gotten tremendous feedback when people ate these cupcakes. That's exactly how it happened. So when I started considering the cupcake and sort of reinventing the cupcake and the idea of the first Cupcakes Only Bakery came to me, um, I realized that San Francisco, which is where my husband and I were living at the time, was not the place because you're right. We had just gone through the dot-com bust. It was, you know, the economy was in the doldrums. And so we figured we had to set out for greener paths which ended up being Los Angeles. And we got there and a lot of our friends had moved down there at the time, spent a weekend and went to a few parties. And all of the parties had the same cake. It was very bizarre. Really? They have cake in Los Angeles? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was myth buster number one. Everyone says nobody eats cake in Los Angeles, but they do, but they were all eating the same cake. So I thought, wow, I think there's room for a little competition in this market. So I started selling my cupcakes out of my home mm-hmm. and people were like, you're crazy. I mean, no one in LA eats carbs. Also, by the way, it was the height of the South Beach diet. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it was like the South Beach diet was on the New York Times bestselling cookbook for like 20 weeks already. And as I drove around Los Angeles, I think coming from somewhere else and being kind of an outsider to LA was really an important part of the story because mm-hmm. I was able to look at LA through fresh eyes and see that there were a whole lot of burger joints and donut shops on every corner. So I thought, you know what? I bet there's other people out there just like me who who might be eating the burger without the bun, but it's because they're saving room for a really great dessert. And so I started baking cupcakes out of my kitchen And sure enough, word spread. And I developed this real cult following even just out of my kitchen. So I was able to test my thesis on a small scale. And that was just all, that was kind of all the traction I needed. That was all the proof of concept I needed to go for it. Okay. So what's the next step? Do you rent a space? Yes. So we rented a space 
we first thought, and I say we because my husband Charles was my co-founder in all of this and and has been my partner through all of our businesses. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Okay, okay. <laughs> so so we started looking for a location, but we had a lot of trouble with that because as you said, I mean it was a new idea. Cupcakes only bakery. We were reinventing the cupcake into something gourmet. Everyone thought it was a ridiculous idea, height of the low carb diet, all of that. And so everybody said no, but we eventually found a spot, tiny little 600 square foot front and back retail kitchen in Beverly Hills. And we got to work transforming this little space. Everyone said Beverly Hills, like uh, that doesn't sound very scrappy. I thought you guys were just like, you know, doing this sweet little cupcake shop. And we said, you know what? Location, location, location. And by the way, we are reinventing the cupcake into something special and elevated. Mm -hmm. And what's more perfect than a 90210 zip code? Exactly. And so that was the first sprinkles. That was the first sprinkles. Charles and I worked there every day. We spent a few nights on the kitchen floor rolling up our aprons and going to sleep because there was no time to go home and get any shut eye before we had to come back and turn the ovens on. It was like, drinking from a fire hose from day one. And what was it in you and Charles that said, like, we're going to persevere. This is going to happen. Like, what is that little voice in your head that sort of pushed you to success for mm -hmm. so many people that want to start businesses and just go, oh, I, I can't. I, I, I can't sleep on the kitchen floor. Right. The litmus test for me was, will I regret it if I don't pursue this idea? Mm -hmm. creative people have ideas all the time. And I don't recommend pursuing them all. You have to pursue the right one at the right time. But for us, we were really passionate about the idea. I love to bake. My passion fueled me. It was contagious. It, you know, all of a sudden I had suppliers who were rooting for me, employees who wanted to work with me and customers who wanted to spread the word. There was just something about what we were doing that was so authentic and genuine mm -hmm. that it, it spread like wildfire. And also it was different. We, we were flying in the face of what people knew. And, and so that got people talking as well. 100%. And I was going to say, it sounds like it's, I can't not do this. You know, there are sometimes some things in life where you go, I can't not marry this person. I can't not pursue this goal. I can't. And that sounds like one of those things. So let's talk about how one works with one spouse because <laughs> it is a fascinating idea to me. And I have been married for over 20 years, um, but we've started working together on a few things and it's actually fantastic. I think it's fantastic, but, um, and, and I think it works well now that we're almost empty nesters too. It's kind of our next chapter, but you guys started out as partners. So can you can you tell me a little of the good, the bad and the ugly about, you know, for for the people listening who think, oh, maybe me and my partner will start a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Most of my friends are like, no way. Hell no. Um, no, for for Charles and myself, you know, what's interesting is that we actually met in investment banking. We weren't dating at the time, but we kind of were able to see each other in a work environment already in a very highly stressful work environment with lots and lots of hours. And even at the time, you know, back in the day, we were able to get by with like a great work ethic, positive attitude. And at the end of the day, when you're miserable, just a sense of humor. And I know that that's what you have in spades, Allie. That's all I have, Candace. <laughs> but it's just one of many amazing qualities, but it's so important. Yes, it it's is. so important because it's really all about at the end of the day, conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Charles and I each have our lanes, which is super helpful. And we both love what we do. So when people say, don't bring home your work, like, we break that rule all the time because we love what we're doing. We talk about it at the dinner table. We include our kids in the conversation, which is super fun now. And you don't feel like all that time spent is too much time. You know what I mean? Like there's no mystery when you're yeah. with them 24-7. Yeah, there is no mystery. You are completely right about that. But I think at the end of the day, we just really enjoy each other's company. We're friends and we have fun together. And um Ultimately, we're very we're aligned holistically on our life, right? Family yes. is important. Our businesses are important, and we each have each other's back. So, if someone has an important meeting or there's a restaurant opening, and the, your you know our kid is sick, somebody's got to be on to take our son to the doctor. Who's mm -hmm. it going to be? Mm -hmm. um, and we're each there for each other during those moments. Like 
the highs are high in entrepreneurship and the lows are really low. So having that person by your side to like support you and also celebrate your wins in your house, you know, That's pretty is great. pretty awesome. Yeah. I was going to say the at starting a business, I think, with a partner is probably very exciting. You know, the newness mm-hmm. of it all. And now you guys are an empire. So it's not like you're, <laughs> you know, you're not sharing a desk all day. Like you said, right? Uh, you know, people are in meetings and doing this. So it's almost like you've got two different jobs, I would imagine. Absolutely. Now I have to like, ske- we have to schedule time together. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. I got so it. So we're not tripping over each other anymore. We were in the early days for sure. But but the early days, there is something very exciting about that too, starting something new. So exciting. And I have to say, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to say it now, but at the time, I'm not sure I had the confidence um, yeah. to start a business on my own. I understand that. I, I didn't. I didn't come from that world. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, not that Charles knew what I was doing. His only restaurant experience was basically eating in one. Right. But- just to have his support and know mm-hmm. that like I had someone who was right there by my side who believed in me was really important. A hundred percent. There's a lot more to come after this short break. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. And we're back. So Sprinkles just became this unbelievable phenomenon. <laughs> and so then comes the genius idea of the ATM cupcake. Oh, yes. Now, first of all, explain that concept because, you know, you were making fresh cupcakes every day. So explain oh, yeah. the concept of an ATM cupcake machine, of which I have frequented many times. <laughs> so, okay. So when we first opened our doors, our idea quickly went from, that's a stupid craziest idea I've ever heard of too. All of a sudden it was phenomenon. We were known for lines out the door and there were cupcake bakeries popping up everywhere across America. Uh, By the way, in France, there was a cupcake bakery in Paris, which I was like, the French don't need cupcakes. They have all that other great stuff. Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, all of a sudden we were looking around and we thought, well, we got to move the needle again. I mean, we got to differentiate ourselves somehow. Um, All of a sudden, we're one in a crowded pack. Like, what is Sprinkles going to do next? Because we really thought of ourselves as innovators at the end of the day. You know, we were bringing this sort of um, innovator's perspective to the bakery industry. There were so many things that we sort of disrupted about it. And um, so we thought, okay, we got to disrupt again. We got to be innovators again. And our real guiding 
mission and why with Sprinkles was really just to bring joy and delight and connection to people. And so I think we were always trying to entertain these ideas of what's going to delight people? What's going to sort of you know, tickle their imagination. I came home from a party one night late. I was pregnant with my second son. I had literally eaten dark chocolate cupcakes through both of my pregnancies. It was <laughs> gross. It was so, there were so many cupcakes involved. And I had a craving for a cupcake. There were none in the house. I started to get a little whiny about it. And because Charles and I like to embrace what I call the crazy ideas we started batting around the idea of like, what if there was a way to get a cupcake anytime, day or night? And then we were like, actually, we pay rent 24 hours a day. Like, there really should be a way to do that and monetize. So that's when we came up with the idea of like the 24-hour vending machine that was ultimately dubbed the Cupcake ATM. And so I, I would have to imagine when you and Charles are sitting there, you know, eating leftovers in the kitchen and you're burping because you're pregnant. When you said, what about an ATM cupcake machine? You guys probably were hysterically laughing for a while, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the logistics alone. <laughs> well, we had seen sort of a very high-end fancy vending machine at some hotel. And, you know, so that that had kind of wormed its way into our subconscious. And so we were kind of thinking about, well, what if you did that, and but you put put cupcakes? And so... We looked around the next day um, online just to see if we could find the company who had created that high-end vending machine. They were based in Europe. And we co-developed this cupcake vending machine with them. Um, So I want to understand how the machine works quickly. So the cupcakes are there. And are they stocked every day, every hour? Like, how does that work? A couple times a day. They're fresh. They're in in individual boxes. And it's any time, day or night. And we used to have actually like a a cupcake cam out there back in the day. And we could see like at three in the morning all the time. All the drunk people, revelers coming to the machine. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I'm sure all the women with PMS and all the drunk frat boys <laughs> must have loved that idea. Um, because when, you know, a pedestrian like myself thought about the cupcake ATM, I thought, how does that work? How are they fresh? Where are they mm-hmm. coming from? Who's behind the curtain? All those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's that's what would sort of block me from pursuing that as an actual reality. I would just think, well, how could you possibly dot, dot, dot? Right. And there you did it. Right. And so I think that's the crux to entrepreneurship, really, right? It's pushing past that initial obstacle of like, "Mm, that's probably going to be hard or that's impossible or nobody's done that before Mm -hmm. to leaning into, I bet we could figure it out. Or what would that look like? Or let's talk about it a little more. Let's explore it, you know? And so this idea of just sort of, you know, what if thinking and leaning into that, I think is what's so fun for me about entrepreneurship and and what I encourage other people to sort of take away from my journey. I would say, what if is a big part of your plan? Mm -hmm. Like what if to me is because, because now I'm going to ask you about the pizza dough, because I, I, (laughs) now I'm understanding that at home, you and Charles are sitting around going, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. What's next? Mm -hmm. What if we did what, you know, we love pizza. So tell me about pizza. You could have gone to another pastry. I could have gone to another pastry, but listen, it's dough but it's savory dough. Yes. But this was a situation where I encountered Mm -hmm. another incredibly passionate chef. Um, Charles and I were at a pizza party. We love pizza. Who doesn't? I love anything carb related, anything you can pick up with your hands and enjoy. And took one bite of this pizza, said to myself, wow, who made this? And, you know, sought out Daniele Uditi, who's our now head chef at Pizzana. He proceeded to tell me that he had just come from Naples, Italy with $200 in his pocket and his Nana's like sourdough starter. He had smuggled it into the States <laughs> and luckily had not been caught by customs because that is the basis of all our pizza on a dough. It has literally a piece of his family history in every bite. Wow. So again, people thought it was a dumb idea. L.A. is not known for good pizza. You know, as a New Yorker, Allie, like L.A. pizza was like a laughingstock. 
Yes. But listen, I lived in LA for 13 years and it used to drive me insane that I couldn't get a good slice of pizza in Los Angeles. Yes. It was the first thing I ate in New York. Right. And I'm so happy that that has changed. And really, there's been quite an explosion of pizza in LA recently, and it's really exciting, all kinds of pizza. And the pizza we call neo-Neapolitan because true Neapolitan, you know, is kind of soupy in the middle. You need a fork and knife. Yep. But this has that great chew and char that Neapolitan dough does, but you can pick it up and it holds. Because we Americans, we like to eat with our hands. I don't know why, but we do. We're casual. We're very casual. We're we're a little <laughs> we're a little backed up on the evolution train. We just started being Homo erectus, and we do still eat with our hands. Um, you know, your next venture should be bagels. If you can create a delicious bagel in Los Angeles, that was the other thing I really missed living there. Okay, I'll get right on it. Um, so so you have Pizzana, and now tell me a little bit about Best in Dough, which is such a great Ooh, name. Yes, so. You know, I was really fortunate early on in the Sprinkles days to have a producer come into the shop and basically say, will you be on a Food Network show? I literally had a baseball hat on, powdered sugar all over my face. And I was like, me? You know, kind of looking around like, you can't possibly mean me. I said, no, it's called Cupcake Wars. We need the queen of cupcakes. And I was like, okay, I guess you're talking to me. And so you were there from the beginning, right? From the beginning, filmed over a hundred episodes. Mm -hmm. Super fun. And also really important to the our brand, our national brand, right? That everyone could tune into the Food Network and see the founder of Sprinkles Cupcakes as the preeminent cupcake judge. I have to tell you, we we used to play Cupcake Wars at home. So when my girls had friends over, they played Cupcake Wars. And so George and I would tell them, you know, the ingredients, bacon, maple syrup and whatever, and they'd have to go make these cupcakes, which did not work out so well, Candice. But it was a it was like a really fun thing. It was a funny, crafty thing to do at home, especially on a rainy day. And, you know, Cupcake Wars was like the most fun to watch. So it was it was a fun show. Yeah. It really ended up being a hit show. I wish you had been a guest judge. That was that would have been so fun. I should have called you and said, I want to come Seriously, on. Seriously, that would have been really fun. And again, now there's eight million shows like that. Like, I feel like everything you do, there's like this ripple effect. Well, that's very kind of you. So what's happening with Best in Dough? So with Best in Dough, here I have this incredible chef founder partner, Mm -hmm. Daniele. And he has this great personality. People love him. He's like this jolly Italian chef who makes the best pizza. And I thought, you need a show. By the way, particularly in this divisive world that we live in, right? What are the few things we can all agree on? I mean, cupcakes was one, but pizza really. Like pizza is one of those foods that brings people together. And there's pizza in basically every culture in the world. And so um, Danielle has a competition show. It's Mm -hmm. called Best in Dough. And it's a super fun family show, feel-good show, which I think we could all use right now. And I'm just excited to watch his, his star shine. And you also have your book coming out. Sweet success. I do. I do. So sweet success is shining a light and finally telling the story of how I built sprinkles. And um, it came about very organically in that I've been mentoring and investing in female and diverse founders since we sold the majority of sprinkles. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to, you know, mentor people on a larger scale and and sort of break down the barriers to entrepreneurship, invite more people to the table, demystify entrepreneurship through this book. Because, you know, what do we see on TV and media as men building rocket ships to the moon? That's sort of what we're all supposed to think of entrepreneurs as, tech savants, engineers, um, you know, companies are billion-dollar unicorn valuations. But really, at the end of the day, I think entrepreneurship is for all, right? Like I built a big business out of a simple little cupcake, something that anyone can make. Yes. So tell me this too, because, and I think this is why I love the book Sweet Success so much, is that even if you're thinking about starting a small business, you really take people through your experience with sprinkles. And because of it now, you're an angel investor, aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And explain what an angel investor is to our listeners. Sure. Basically, um, you are investing in early stage startups 
um, in checks that are smaller that then like a venture capital fund would invest in. And you also bring your expertise, your network, um, your amplification to the table and just, you know, really try to cheerlead and help these new founders find success. Um I I have to ask you, yes. why do you have Norwich Terriers? What <laughs> is specific about that breed? <laughs> do you like how in my very short bio that doesn't even give very much information, I happen to mention that my dog is a Norwich Terrier? Yeah. And I believe me, I'm a dog person. So I immediately picked that up. And we once okay. we once had a Norwich Terrier. That's why I'm asking oh, you. you did? Yeah. Okay, well, I need to, I know what I'm going to ask you. Why do you not still have a Norwich Terrier? No, so I love Norwich Terriers, and this is how I discovered them. I used to run along Chrissy Field in San Francisco when I lived there on the weekends, or actually usually just on Sundays because I worked in investment banking and that was the only time you'd ever have off. So I'd do my like one run for the the week down Chrissy Field. And on Sundays at the same time, there would be this gathering of Norwich Terrier owners. Yes, you guys are so snobby. As yeah. I was running down the path, I there were like just like packs of these little hedgehog style dogs, like the cutest things I've ever seen. I was like, are they prairie dogs? Like what what type of creature is this? And I've got these stubby legs and they're kind of stout and they've got this like wiry hair and these prick ears. And then, oh my God, their personality is so good. So I'm on my second Norwich Terrier. First was Honey, now is Willie, which means his name is Willie Nelson. Yes, oh, it does. Okay. Um, and he's just adorable. Yeah. What is your breed of choice? Well, so here's the problem with, uh, we had a Norwich Terrier named Cookie. And <gasps> what happened was we had two nasty dachshunds. And when we brought Ooh. Cookie home, they were so mean to Cookie. We, we tried everything. They were just, Aww. they would yap at her and nip at her that we gave Cookie to our friends who lived next door. So we watched Cookie grow up. But she didn't grow up in our house. But but a Norwich Terrier is George's favorite dog. And I didn't know that. Yes. And so we have a, we have a hound dog and we have like a 300 year old dachshund still. But I think <laughs> I think a Norwich is in our future. Oh. And it's time for a short break. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome back to Go Ask Alley. Okay, so I do want to ask you, for young entrepreneurs who are listening to this, do you have sort of three real sage advice for them? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Besides buy your book, Sweet Success, which has a lot well, of sage advice. Packed with sage advice. So for young entrepreneurs who want to start a business, I would say, one, find your co-founder or at least that one team member that is going to have your back that you really can trust. It's a hard road and you need somebody who has your back mm-hmm. when the oven goes out, which isn't going to be everyone's you know, industry or when the website goes down or any of that. But I really do believe in having a co-founder if you can. I, I think the support that one can give you is, is really different than even building a strong team. Um, I think you have to make sure that you have the money to start a business and be really realistic about that, whether, you know, you side hustle it or you bootstrap it. You can go to friends and family and get a low interest loan. You can go to angel investors. You can crowdfund these days. I'm mentoring a baker. Um, actually, you may know her business is called Blondery. And her name is Osreus Bellamy. And mm-hmm. she started as a side hustle during the pandemic, this beautiful business of, of blondies and desserts, and built this wait list of people. She would do these product drops. And finally, she said, I'm going all in. And she has done a donations-based crowdfunding campaign. And she's opening her first commercial space, Wow, which is incredible. Um, So there's a lot of different ways to slice the fundraising piece of it, but you have to make sure you have to get really, you know, entrepreneurs are like dream big people, but you have to get really real when it comes to the finances. So when you do, when you do a crowdfunding operation, does that mean that the people, the crowd gets a piece of the business? I mean, how does it work? How How does their investment come back to them? So there's different ways. There is equity crowdfunding, which does mean that, you know, you're not an accredited investor like an angel investor, but you still have a piece of the business. Mm -hmm. But then there's also rewards based. So let's say you're building a product and you don't have, you know, you don't want people, you know, in your business, but you promise them like an early prototype or some other type of swag as a result of their investment. Or then there's also like donations based, which is essentially a GoFundMe campaign, which is I really believe in you. I want to see this business in the world and it's not going to happen any other way. So here is my support via a donation. Oh, that's great. All right. And your third piece of advice. Third piece of advice, I think, is to really lean into brand. I'm sorry. I'm such a brand person. And we live in such an Amazon world where it's really hard to compete on being the cheapest or being the fastest, right? So when we enter sort of uncertain economic times like we are today, what is it that's going to make people want to keep your product in their budget versus slashing it for something cheaper? And I think these days, brands really have an opportunity and need to sort of establish a relationship with their customers. And the way they do that is through brand. Brand is how you live in the hearts and minds of your customers, basically. And it means that you have to stand for something, and it has to be authentic, and you have to have brand principles, and you have to deliver consistently on those. Um, so I think I think really digging into who you are, what you stand for, and how you're going to consistently show up in that way is really important these days. And that's why you guys were so, and are so so philanthropic from the beginning. Like you're that was part of your brand to say, you know, hey, we're we're the little engine that could, but we're still giving a piece of the pie to, you know, this nonprofit, which is what sort of differentiated you from a lot of the noise that was going on at the time. Right. Which is imp- really important, I think, yeah. for me. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and I think, you know, it really was about we wanted to inject some joy, but also make a little bit of change and and how powerful to be able to do that with a simple cupcake. Is there one sort of charity right now that you guys are focused on? Is there something that you feel strongly about? Is it women? Is it dolphins? What is it? So I am partnering with Step Up Women's Foundation. I'm partnering with them on my book, and I'm going to be speaking at Step Up Classrooms around the country, um, speaking to young women about, you know, their own journeys to success. Um, They do an incredible job of mentoring young women and giving them the confidence and the skills they need to go after their dreams, which is very aligned with what I'm trying to do. So I love the work they're doing. Oh, God, that's so great, Candice. Congratulations. Thank you. And we will put a link to that organization in our show notes, too. Thank you. Okay, 
now it's time because for some reason this podcast is called Go Ask Allie, but all I do is ask a question. So now you get to ask <laughs> me a question so we can justify the title of this podcast. Well, I know that you're an incredible baker, Allie, mm-hmm. and you obviously have spoken to that and how often you bake and mm-hmm. the importance it, it had in your family life. Um, what is the one dessert or baked good that you are known for? Like when people invite you over, they want you to bring such and such treat or dessert. Candace, I I know it sounds a little boring, but I have mastered the chocolate chip cookie. Classic for a reason. It's yeah, everyone's well, favorite. Yes. And two, okay, so this is how far it goes. Not only did I master it through taking a recipe and adding my own little measurements to it and changing things. Mm, but I'm intrigued. People would always ask for it. You know, oh, I'm coming over. Are you making cookies? Are you making cookies? To then I was giving like eight frozen chocolate chip cookie rolls for people for Christmas because people asked for them. To I once brought one of my besties, Mariska Hargitay, a whole bunch of cookies to the set of SVU Law and Order. And now they call me up and say, okay, the crew wants cookies. So, you know, it's funny listening to you talk because I think if I were, you know, younger and had time, I would actually think about pursuing a, a very small business with my chocolate chip cookies because I didn't realize how excited people would get about it. And they really do. I mean, now it's my go-to hostess gift. It's people get mad if I don't bring cookies or give them frozen cookie dough. So that's my long answer to a simple I question. I love that answer so much. And one of the tricks I found was that four times while they're baking, I take out the tray and drop it on the floor because it gives them that little ripple effect that people like so much and it makes them kind of flatter and chewier. So there's a lot of banging. I'm sure the people that live below us, the apartment <laughs> below us are like, oh, Allie's making cookies. So, you know, when you really hone a talent and you find all the tricks and yeah. you perfect it, then first of all, I'm very proud. But even the amount of chocolate chip cookies I make in a year is exhausting that I couldn't actually now at the ripe old age of 92. <laughs> I-, I wouldn't be able to start a business. It's It's a lot. It's demanding. It sure is. But my gosh, talk about a hero product. Well, the thing I connect to with your book and everything you're talking about is, for me, the chocolate chip cookies are a little part of me, you know, so Mm -hmm. there's the connection with the people. I find as a gift, it's incredibly personal, you know, because Mm -hmm. I've made this for you. I've wrapped it in parchment with pretty Mm -hmm. little ribbon. I even have a sticker that says made in the Stephanopoulos kitchen. So, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, you know, the other great thing about it is it can be anybody and they appreciate it. It's it's Mm -hmm. not a head scratcher about, oh, gosh, what should I give George's boss? You know what I mean? (laughs) Or what should I or or even what should I give the FedEx guy who during the snow blizzard, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like chocolate chip cookies. Everybody likes chocolate chip cookies. Doesn't matter who you are. I don't know. I see the next Mrs. Fields in front of me. Oh, God, no. I sure do. I can't. Make sure you pass that recipe down to maybe one of your entrepreneurial kids. Well, if if there is a baker in the family, it's it's my daughter, Harper. So um, anyway, (laughs) Candace Nelson, you are a delight, an inspiration. I'm so happy to see you after all this time. Um, Sweet success to me is going to be such a great helpful, inspiring book for so many people. Everybody should go to your website, candace-nelson.com. Everything's there. Why, thank Everything. you. There's blogs about businesses and and dealing with finances to recipes to, and it's all the pastel colors and pretty and happy. <laughs> it is a, it's a fun hour and a half of exploration. <gasps> wow. Well, I appreciate that, Allie. Thank you. You're, well, it's, this is, this is all true. And I I wish you everything great. I'm so glad that you're thriving in this world and, and giving us all cupcakes and pizza dough and inspiration. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Allie. What an honor to be on your podcast. I'm such a fan of yours and all the joy and humor and empathy you give into the world. So thank you so much. 
I don't know about you, but I am dying for a cupcake. So I'm just going to run three blocks to Lexington Avenue and get six chocolate on chocolate cupcakes from the Sprinkles ATM. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Alley. Candace's new book, Sweet Success, A Simple Recipe to Turn Your Passion into Profit, is out now. If you'd like more info on what you've heard in this episode, just check out our show notes. And always be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Go Ask Alley. And I'd love to have you follow me on social media on Instagram at The Real Alley Wentworth. So, this is obviously the last episode of the year. So, Happy New Year, everybody. I'll be on a short break and I will be back with more Go Ask Alley February 2nd. In the meantime, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I would love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a question, you just might hear it on Go Ask Alley. See you next year. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 